Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how to utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Anthony Cassiotis. I'm a business growth expert where I help business owners grow and scale to create wealth and freedom. And today, I have an awesome guest. His name is Richard Liu, and he's the founder, director, and CEO at Elite Property Consulting, where he's a master of negotiation and auction bidding. He is a buyer's agent that works across Sydney, helping home buyers secure their dream home. They call him Mr. Worldwide, as he will never say no to a client regardless of location, and he works anywhere in Sydney, and does whatever it takes to secure your dream home, even if it means the offer is completed at 2 a.m. while you sleep. And apart from his real estate experience, Richard also has 10 years of his sales experience across lending and construction. And his clients refer to him as the done deal man, as he always under promises and over delivers going above and beyond. And he works with a limited number of clients and delivers exceptional results. Welcome, Richard Liu, and thank you for being on my show. Thank you, Ethan. Thanks for having me. Awesome, mate. I'm sure it's going to be a great show for everyone watching and listening today. So first, you're a successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself by telling us about your journey. So um, I started this business last year. And so in July, when I set up and I had a business up and running. Um, so when I first started a business, I was doing a bit of um, investors. I had a few friends and families that reached out to me. Um, now I'll get to the main thing why I've started this business. Um, the main thing why I started business was when I first bought my property about 12 years ago, um, I had no guidance whatsoever. And it haunts me till this day where I bought my first unit in Sydney and the agents got me that good where I paid $500 above asking price. Now, obviously, when you're young and stupid, you don't think about those things and just run with it. And he's got me by the emotion, right? Till this day, it haunts me. Then I bought a few investment properties along the way where I was scratching my hair, you know, growing white hair, um, not knowing where I was buying, doing all the research myself. I fly up to Queensland, looking at properties there, wasted a lot of time. So I did buy it. Um, it's probably, I don't know if it's a right investment property or not, right, at the time. Um, but, you know, you learn through your journeys as purchasing properties for yourself um, and as well as investments, you learn along the journeys and, yeah, it's, it's a good learning curve. Um, and that's why I started my own buyer's agency to help others um, based on the mistake I've made. I'm teaching them the foundation of investing as well as um, purchasing property so they don't make the mistakes and things that I've gone through myself. And also have a, um, a very good um, building background. So I worked for one of the largest builders in Australia for two years where I was designing floor plans, looking at homes, um, doing all the liaising with councils. So I've done all those things and I know a good idea of how the construction space works um, and also negotiations and all that as well. And I was in sales for about 10 years before that in the car lending space. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Love the experience. And yeah, this is yeah. The power of getting other people around us, right? Where we can learn That's right, yeah. mistakes and, and then just get there quicker and get better deals and everything. So love that um, part of the story, mate. And I know you're mm -hmm. focusing a lot more on the Sydney property market. That's these. right, yeah. So firstly, just tell us a bit more about what the current state is of the Sydney property market. Um, Sydney markets are very hot at the moment, right? Um, so despite the rate rises since last year in May, where we have seen a bit of a cool off in about November and right beginning this year, the markets has picked up again. And since then it's been going up and up. 
So people not put off by the interest rate. And the reason why that is, is few reasons. We have so many people that are migrating to Australia at the moment, right? The students, as well as the migration, you're looking at two, 300,000 a year. And we're still catching up with those numbers from the COVID time. So a simple way to put it is, where are those people going to live? Um, for them to live somewhere, they need to rent something or to buy something. So that's kind of created the rental crisis. And same with the interest rate where um, the rate, obviously the rates goes up, people putting up the rental prices. Now, the biggest factor is with the rental crisis, that's been caused by the, um, the shortages of properties on the market itself. And then that's why the rental prices are keeps on crawling up. And a lot of people these days, like to, because the rental prices are going up, and then they're looking and they go, if the rents keep on going up, why don't I just buy a property instead? So when you add factor that in, those first home buyers, there's a lot of them, factor that in with the increase in migrations, there's a lot more demand compared to supply. There's not enough supply on the market, and that's what's driving prices up at the moment. And put all those things aside, you have the other thing where the rising interest rates have caused the construction industry to kind of um, plateau. So all the builders are scared, they're holding off, they're not building as much with the rising material costs as well, thanks to COVID. Um, and now we have what they call the increasing labor costs. So all those increased wages and everything, lack of confidence in new build, that's putting a lot of people off. And it's creating um, more demands to the existing property market. And that's putting a further strain on the property market itself. So when you're looking at all those factors, immigrations, um, first home buyers, plus the lack of constructions that's available at the moment, new builds, um, the price is just going to keep on keep on going up. Even with the rate rises, people are still buying. Yeah. Cool, mate. That's, that's where we're at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Love it, Richard. Um, definitely tell you know your stuff and thanks for the update of what's been happening for the last uh, yeah, year or so there in the market and where it's at at the moment. Um, definitely very challenging. I know for me, um, yeah, my rent went up over 30%, right, in one year, um, which is pretty crazy, right, when you think about it. So I know how big it is, but then, yeah, like you said, um, I love the, you know, people go, why don't I buy? Because, you mm -hmm. know, paying more rent for it. So I love that um, element about what you shared there. And um, let's talk about more about being a buyer's agent now, right? So yeah. what's, what's really the benefit of using a buyer's agent to buy a property? Okay. Um, so for those that don't have the time, it's going to save you time and money, right? So, I mean, on the weekends, if you keep on going, keep on missing on properties, you feel frustrated. So um, it can eliminate that factor that, you know, on the weekends, you don't have to look at that many properties where all the homeworks are done for you. It's a convenience as well. Um, a lot of people don't know actually how to buy a property, right? So you don't know what the, actually the properties are worth. So I'll give you the guidance of what the property is actually worth, the pricings, do a compa um, comparable analysis, what the actual properties are worth. So those are the things that benefits of using a buyer's agent. Now, the other thing is everything's actually done for you. Um, with the due diligence and all that. So you got to make sure when you're purchasing property, you're not purchasing into a lemon, right? When sometimes when something's too good to be true, you ask what the reason why, and you don't find out the reason why. So these are the things, the due diligence is probably the most important part of purchasing a property. 
you need to understand that what you're purchasing, is it a good property that you're purchasing or not? When I was working in the construction industry, I see people come to me all the time. Quite often, they bought the house already. They say, yep, we want to knock down, rebuild it. And the, the bad news I've delivered to them is that, sorry, did you do your homework beforehand on what size home you can build on it? Are you aware there's, you know, it's in a bushfire factor zone? Your build cost is going to go up. Or are you aware there's sewage running under the house? So you need sewer encasings. Did you actually read the contract? And the answer is like, no, not aware of those things. So those are the factors, critical factors that would actually determine how you purchase a property or what price and whether it's a right property for you, depending on what you want, right? And same goes for units. Units, you need to do a lot of due diligence check as well to make sure that, you know, everything all lines up. You've got to look at the strata levies. Um, you have to look at the sinking funds. You look at the minutes. Where they, whether they are any legal disputes and those type of things. And you don't want to get stuck in a, um, you know, in a building where you're buying to a lemon or there's legal disputes ongoing and that could actually drag down the price of your unit, especially if you're investing, right? You're seeing cases where, you know, owner has to um, file for bankruptcy because, you know, they just can't afford anymore. The mascot tower, for example, right? All sorts of issues. Um, so I guess that's one of the other reasons why you is as buyer's agent. Um, the other thing is a lot of property go to auction. So in an auction environment, some people don't actually know how to negotiate, right? How do you actually bid in an auction environment? That's actually very important. So, and you never ever listen to what the real estate agents are saying, because if I'll give you a typical example, if you're going to bid at the auction, there's probably two, three, four other bidders as well. Now on auction day, you're gonna assign what I call puppets where assistant agents. And if you're, they think you're a serious bidder, they'll be next to you. They're all trying to push you to get the prices up. Saying 20, 30 grand, you had the property, work your emotion up and all the other system buyers agents doing the same thing to the other buyer. So their job on the day is to get the maximum price for the buyer, or for the, sorry, for the seller. So that's what they're trying to do. And this is where, you are going to end up paying. So as a buyer's agent, I do the homework beforehand and I'll do the homework on the day and we'll work on a strategy on the day depending on how other bidders react um, and there are certain strategies you might actually put other bidders off on the day. Right? Calling loan numbers, whatever. There's so many ways you can do this um, and I can go on for about hours and hours. Now, the other things why people are using a buyer's agent is negotiation. Um, property needs to be negotiated the right way to make sure that you get the best price for it. So when it comes to negotiation, um, it's not easy as just offering a price. There's quite a few things you need to understand. You need to do your homework on the price of the property. Um, you also need to understand the reasons as to why the owner is selling it. Um, that's going to give you ammunition as to how you negotiate a deal to get the best price. Um, whether they want a shorter settlement, you can cater for that, extend the settlement because they haven't bought something and they want to delay settlement so they can buy something out of the settlement. You create those sort of conditions, it might be favorable for them and you might be able to get a cheaper price, right? So as a buyer's agent, those are the type of things I do for you. Now, the most important thing I have to say is I act for the buyer. I don't act for the agent or the seller itself. The agent, although they're trying to sell you a property, they at the end of the day, their interests are acting on the seller's interest, not in a buyer's interest, trying to get the highest price. 
Whereas me, um, I work for the buyer, I get paid a buyer, and my job is to try to make sure you get the best house at the best price, all negotiated and done. And that's a reason why you probably want to use a buyer's agent to help you. And agent at the same time, they love to deal with a buyer's agent for two reasons. When they sell a property, if you're just a buyer that walk in, they have to work with a buyer as well as a seller on the price. So they need to do the homework on two sides. And who likes to work on two sides of negotiation, right? So when you engage a buyer's agent, the buyer side's actually done. We actually worked out an offer, what we're offering and what we're negotiating on, the terms and conditions. So for the agent, all he has to do is work on the seller with a price. He's only working one, with one party. That's why a lot of real estate agents like to work with buyer's agent because you have a qualified buyer and they know that the homework's done and they only need to work on the other side. And your successful rate is a lot higher by having a buyer's agent. Yeah. So not just saving time and negotiation, it's also to make sure that you actually get what you wanted rather than dragging on, right? The other thing I want to mention that's very important, if you haven't bought a property in two, three months and you think you can do it in the next three, six months and just to save a bit of money because you don't want to pay a buyer's agent, if you look at the city market compared to the March price to now, the prices have gone up a lot. So what you're actually wasting is the savings you could actually make on the property itself Rather than doing yourself and keep on missing out, go on to one, the next one, next one, it's time and frustration. And also it's costing you money as well. So let's say if you're buying $1 million property now, and that's going to be 1.2 in six months time. If you haven't bought it back um, in six months time, you're going to pay back 1.2. Whereas if you bought it now, you actually save that money and you get the gains as well. And that's what I'll say to people that if you're ready to buy, always buy when the price is right and when the time right. And the when the time is right is when you're ready and that's right now, right here. Yeah. You don't hesitate or wait for it because that's how you're going to miss out. Yeah, awesome, mate. Love it. So much gold uh, you just shared with us there and uh, definitely know your stuff and why. Yeah, most people that don't do this day in, day out or have the experience, they wouldn't know all of these things and get them the best deal. And let's talk just quickly around um, properties, right? In terms yeah. of- where they're available because I know there's a certain amount like that are, you know, on the market, but there's also off market, right? Type deals and things like that there. So um, do you want to talk maybe a little bit about this, about that you may not necessarily know what's going on, you're right, in the market too? Yeah. So um, so I work in the Eastern suburbs quite a lot, right? A lot of properties are off market, which means that they don't actually go to the market. And to have those properties, a lot of them actually presented to the buyer's agent because they know that, you have qualified buyers. I get off market probably sent to me every day on a daily basis. And why? The, let me start with why is a property off market? The property are off market for different reasons. There could be a tenant in there, right? They don't want to disturb the tenant if it's an investor. Um, there could be that they just don't want people to go through their homes, all the nosy neighbors, gone through a look at their homes and so on. So it's off market. And sometimes it's more for privacy reasons than anything else. It's off market. So there's different reasons. Um, so there are properties that are off market that are good opportunities. You can snap that's not on the market. But those ones, you need to do a bit of digging, engage a buyer's agent and hunt down for it. Yeah, so that's off market. So there is a portion of those. And um, of course, there's the on market property as well, right, where everyone can see. 
if you're buying off-market property, that's where you can negotiate and you eliminate all the competitions as well. So it's case by case. I've seen off-market um, properties where owners were only willing to sell it at a much higher price for that reason off-market. So sometimes it's not the best, but you might end up getting what you wanted, just depending on what you're willing to spend with. Let's say, for example, owner occupiers, they just want the right home and the right type. If that one suits and the price is right, they might still buy it, right? It might be a bit but market price. But then again, you just don't know if it comes to market, what would actually sell. It could even go higher because you have more competition. So it's hit or miss, just depending on the house itself and the scenarios. Um, now, I've gone to market. A lot of them on the market are for everyone to, to see and to fight for competition. And that's why a lot of them are go to auctions where they fight the prices and you typically see them going from five price of 600 or million dollars next week's revised, revised to uh, 1.2. Yeah. So they use the word guide in New South Wales rather than um, an offer or some other things because it's just a term they have to use to get around it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, yeah, another reason why um, you want to be knowing um, this area and, and have the right people on your team. Uh, mm. Let's talk about the process, right? And, and I guess the timing of this as well, right? Because, yep. um, you know, someone goes to a buyer's agent, what should they expect as a standard? And I guess in terms of you as well, like, you know, mm -hmm. how how is um, how does that process take, um, you know, on your side? Yeah. Well, that really depends, right? My typical process... With most of my clients, I sign a three-month contract engagement. That's saying no difference to um, what most of the, I guess, the agents will do as well when they're signing up a seller, three months. Um, typical process, I work in a very fast pace in the city market, depending on what stocks you're looking at availability. If you're looking at the lower end, there's where there's more stocks on the market, then you can wrap up fairly quick. Of course, if you're working with a client that's five to 10 mil with specific guidelines and criteria, um, they are very limited options, then you are looking at a longer period as well, right? And of course, the main thing comes down to whether their budget is realistic to meet the market with what they're purchasing as well. If it's not, then they're just gonna keep on missing out and it's gonna be very different. Um, most of my clients, I tend to get it done within about a month or so. Um, I have a certain process that works where, you know, have an understanding of their criterias. I'll go through and always present them homes. Um, every week I show them probably four or five different homes, present them different options, whether they give it to me or I present it to them. We'll go through it all. We'll go to a lot of open homes as well, inspection, making offers. Um, so, yeah, it tends to wrap up in about a month or so, but I have done it as quick as seven days. Awesome. Love that. Really powerful. So I guess you want people to be ready, right? Before they come to you to an extent That's so right. that yep. you can move forward as quickly as possible. So what, how should be, you know, people be preparing um, before they come to you so that, you know, they get the result as quickly as possible. Okay. So it's, it's actually very simple to process, right? And what I say is keep it simple, simple. The more simpler you make it, the easier it is. Don't overcomplicate yourself. Most important thing is you got to be finance ready. Right? Now, what I mean by that is when I go and make an offer, you don't want to say I don't have finance in place, right? So you got to have a pre-approval in place. Make sure that is ready to go. That's the most important. Um, and then everything else, just basically present with me with a budget of what you're after. 
and the criteria, then I can have a look at it, make sure that what you're asking is realistic, and then we start the whole process. It's it's very simple. And leave the rest to me where I'll be guiding you. Um, everything's pretty much handed to you on a plate for you to... It's like uh, you go into a restaurant, you have these menus, and you just pick one A, B, C, D, and that's it. It should be as simple as that. Yeah, that's it. That's why you engage a buyer's agent, because if I don't present those things to you, you've done it that way, then I've done something wrong. Yeah, yeah. awesome, man. Love it. Um, really important there. Now, <laughs> if there's certain areas around Sydney that you're you're focusing more on in there or you know depending on I guess what's happening in the market um I tend to focus more on the eastern suburbs a bit more at the moment so um the markets are tend to be quite hot here and there's a lot of auctions going on 90 percent of homes tend to go to auction even the lower end units are as well so that's where my majority of focus is uh I am focusing on the Pine market a bit, Volcluz, Dover Heights around those areas. Um, and you, then you're talking about the ten million dollar mark, that type of clients as well. So yeah, so I'm pretty much run around the eastern suburbs, anyone from La, La Perouse to about Volcluz. That's where I've spent most of my times looking at properties and all that as well. Having said that, you know I'll probably anyway we in Sydney. There's a process I set in place. So it doesn't matter where you're buying, it's still the same and I can still achieve the same result. Yeah, nice, mate. Love it. Um, really powerful. And so what, what should we be thinking about in terms of the differences between like getting a house and, and like an apartment or a unit if we're going and we've got a budget, but we've, you know, got options or things here um, about what we invest in? Is that for investment or to live in? <laughs> Either or. I don't know, which whatever road you want to take it down. Okay, so I mean, Sydney house prices are very expensive, right? So I mean, you're looking at it's pretty much impossible to get a house under one million dollars now, right? I mean, the western suburbs. There are some you still can, but it's going to hit over a million dollars. Whereas the units are fairly cheap. So I mean, it depends on the suburb itself where you want to live as well. Um, I have seen, I guess, with the rate increases and obviously the wages are not increasing. And people are borrowing, are restricted with their borrowers, especially with the younger generations. What I'm seeing is apartments are becoming more attractive and it's the first stepping stone for people. You have to start somewhere, right? So, and there is a big difference gap between the apartment price and the house prices. And the way I see it is um, for the next five years, um, or the next 10 years, apartments gonna be more and more attractive to people. The reason being that the prices are fairly cheap and also it's relatively affordable and most people don't need yards anymore. With what's going on with the technology and everything, Netflix where you can just do everything online these days, watch videos online. No one really goes outdoor anymore and care about the backyard space. So that's going to be leading to more options where people just are happy with a unit to live in rather than having too many boxes. Um, and you're just going to have more and more people um, crammed into the units. And houses are just going to be more and more unaffordable. That's the way I see it. So it just really depends on yeah what people are after. If you want a house, then you need to go further and further away from Sydney. Whereas a unit, if you want to live close to the city, then it's still possible to get that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you still can get, you know, in a city somewhere, you still can get under a million dollars for an apartment an apartment whereas a house 
you got to go to, you know, further out Campbelltown or Penrith to get something like that. So that's a trade-off. It just depends on where you want to live. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, mate. Love it. Um, And I guess, yeah, let's talk about the differences between the owner-occupier, I guess, and the investor, right? Um, mm-hmm. About yeah. what, what, what we should be looking at it if we're thinking at it from each of these lens um, as we're going in um, to these, yeah, to these investments. Yeah. So owner occupier is always something you're going to live in. So it's long term. You're probably looking, I would say, at least five years to 10 years. It wouldn't be forever home. No one lives in a forever because there's a life cycle, right? So you could be married, have kids, children grown up. You could be upsizing, downsizing. So you wouldn't live in a forever. Um, So, I mean, you're probably looking at five, 10 years. But the buying still the same. What you want to make sure, there's no difference between owner, occupier, and investor. The reason why I say that is whatever you buy, you want to make sure it has growth and has potential to go up. Because if it doesn't have potential to go up, when you buy the next one in a different area, let's say that area has gone up a lot in the 10 years when you're trying to upgrade the property and your one hasn't moved, then it's going to cost you more money, right? So that's from the owner's point of perspective of purchasing a property. Even though it's not as strict as I want rental growth and so on, but you still want to make sure you're buying in a good suburb where it has relative growth. Right. Um, from an investor's point of view, you need to look at two things. What's your rental return and what's going to be your capital growth? Because without those two, then there's no point of investing. Uh, what's happening in the city market at the moment because of high interest rate, the rental yields are actually quite low. So if you're looking at buying a house, your rental yields are you're looking at anywhere from the 2.5, probably around the 3%. If you're lucky, your market's 3.5% as a rental yield. Whereas a unit, um, because you're getting a high rent and the price is relatively cheaper, um, you might be able to get away around the 4, 4.5, sometimes 5% still possible, um, just depending on where you're purchasing. Um, but if you're looking at growth, house is always going to outgrow the unit um, when it comes to investment, capital growth-wise, the reason being that you're purchasing the land, whereas the unit, you are purchasing thin air. And there's also, there's so many units that are out there and if they're all selling it and it comes with demand and supply as well. So if you've got 100 units that's listed for sale and you're one of them, your price is not going to be as high. Whereas house, you're buying to a location and you have the land there. So the land is where the money is. House depreciates, land goes up. And we say it in typically in Sydney, it doubles every 10 years and that's based on the land. Whereas unit, it doesn't go up as fast. Some areas, it hasn't had any growth in the last 10 years at all or hardly. And the reason being that you're buying to thin air. So while I touch on this, um, what I want to say is units, probably not a bad buy, but you do have to look at, and the way I buy a unit is, you have to look at where you're buying. I buy in areas where there's a high concentration of houses rather than unit itself. Um, so that creates demand for unit and there is a big price difference. So the house is at $4 million, units at eight nine hundred thousand. You know that those people that want to live there can't afford the houses, they're going to buy the units. That's their next stop, right? So, and for the units, I don't buy those big large apartments or with lifts and all that. You end up paying heaps of strata. I buy those, what you call boutique apartments, the ones that's got five, six units. There's a lot of them in Eastern Suburbs, for example. 
Um, those are the ones that's going to grow in value because you have minimal strata, no lift, and there's only certain um, amount of it as well on the market that you can buy. So those ones are going to create the value and you got to make sure if you buy units, buy a location. Time to buy the blue chip investment and they cost quite a bit. But if you have ocean view compared to a unit doesn't have ocean view, then the price is going to go up a lot quicker. I've seen an auction in Kujit recently where the asking guys 1.7 and you had three bidders fighting it to 2.2. So that's half million dollars asking what the guide is. And the reason for that, it had ocean view and it's close to the beach. So that just gives you an idea of in terms of units, how you buy it. Um, the other thing when you're purchasing unit is um, you got to look at the availability of, of it as well on a market. So um, you want to buy in a suburb where um, there's least amount of unit as possible. That's how you get the growth. So if you go to, for example, Sydney, if you go to Rosebury in the CWD or you go to Liverpool, it's oversaturated with units. And if you look at the sales history for the last 10, it's hardly gone up. And that's the exact reason because when you've got one unit and next door you've got another unit and there's 10, 20, 30 blocks around you or four units, people have choices where they can buy and the price is not going to go up. Yeah. So it's simple as that. Um, with the houses, houses are very different. So um, as an investor, you just need to look at where the infrastructure is you look at where the school is, buy close to transport, easy accessibility, easy rental. Um, those are the type of things you look for. Now, the other thing I look for is high percentage owner occupiers compared to renters. One, it's going to drive up your rent because there's not too many um, rental properties around. And two, owner occupier tends to pay more for the property compared to an investor. So you want to highly focus on those areas um, that creates value. And with the owner-occupy homes, they always present them in good condition as well. So if your neighbor sells for a high price, guess what? Your price has just gone up as well and set the expectation. So I'm trying to keep within a ratio probably 30% renters and 70% owner-occupy. That's probably a good ratio. Um, anything more than that, then you need to do more homework depending on the suburb and where you're buying as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Awesome, That's man. basically looking at capital growths and how you can look at it, yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know, easier to get into the market with the uh, apartments, obviously less cost, yeah. less thing, you got more rental yield as well. So the difference yeah. is less, so easy as you're getting in, but then as you grow and, and get some capital growth, which might be less, but then you can then hopefully, you know, get into houses, mm -hmm. got more um, capital and, and um, serviceability to play with. So- um, 100%. Yeah. And I can give you a perfect example. I bought one myself, that's my first home, right? Being a first-time buyer, I bought a unit in Westmead. So back in 2011, I had a bit of a capital gains. I sold in 2016, probably made over 200000 That was in a booming market where everything's cheap and it's going up. Now, if I look at the stats now, it's still selling at a similar price. So it hasn't gone up at all, right? And the reason for that is very simple. Um, there's so many units around it. If you look at the housing prices, it's probably doubled. Whereas a unit, because people have a choice and there's that many, it doesn't go up as much in value. Yeah. I'm not saying it won't go up, but it does take a lot for it to go up, depending on the supply as well. And then when there's plenty of supply in the market, unfortunately, it just doesn't go up. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. I love that. Awesome. And 
Um, do you want to maybe just share like maybe some of the results you've gotten for a client or something, just so people are aware of what's possible, right? When you've got a you know good buyer's agent on your side. Okay. So to give you an example, um, I've engaged a client um, recently, an expat, right? So when they first started with me, they gave me a whole list of criteria because they want to live in it eventually themselves. So they gave me about 40 suburbs to work with, right? Most buyers agent will be too hard. And to me, nothing's hard, right? It's having an understanding of what the client wants, their criteria, their briefs, and to see whether you can work with it. So took them on. As we're going along, their buy briefs change. They want to spend as little money as possible. So you're going from about 1.5 to probably at 1.2, even though they can do 1.5 as well. So um, I'll work with them and we'll just narrow down the suburbs by suburbs. And yes, it does take quite a bit, a lot as well. So I'll go to about four or five open homes on a Saturday just to show them and we'll go through the briefs after and do the same thing the following week. And in between, we'll probably have two, three, four meetings a week. Um, through WhatsApp communications, 10 o'clock meetings at night. Those things are really important because communication is a key. If you don't understand what your client's after, then you're not going to succeed in purchasing the property, right? It's like you have to wire yourself into a client and that takes time to understand. And it get to a point where they don't even need to tell you, go, yep, I found your property. I think you'll like this because you already have an understanding of it. And that takes time to ask them the right questions then working them probably about a week or so, I have an understanding of what they wanted. So I guess through this whole process, we change, switch, chopped and change. We narrowed down the suburb. Um, and yeah, within a month, because all the auctions are happening that week, so I planned it all. We had about four or five properties um, to inspect. They actually flew down, had a look at all those properties, and we were just making offers. So by chance, we secured one, or we missed out one of them. Um, then the next day, um, by chance, um, we won an auction. And that was the first auction that they attended to. I won it for them. So, yeah, made their process very, very easy. And, yeah, wasn't hard at all for me. Yeah. So that's that's just one of them where we wrapped up about a month from 40 um, suburbs. I had another client where she gave me a brief about 20 suburbs. We narrowed down. Um, and I basically just lined up a day of basically – drive day where we just open seven eight homes uh, the agent actually opened those homes just specifically for me because i'm a buyer's agent and she's going to plane in two days right so i've created the urgency and then we're going through seven eight homes and she fell in love with one of them we made an offer and um yeah got it all done right before she jumped on the plane right so the other thing i have to say as a buyer's agent i'm also your pa as well so I plan your days as to where the auction is and how we inspect the properties and so on. So that saves you a lot of stress, time and hassle where I'll be able to work with you. And that's all part of my process. Yeah, That's how I deliver results and trying to get most clients done within a month time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Some awesome results for different areas there and um, getting it within, you know, shorter periods of time if they've got big scopes to narrow it down. Love that. Mm -hmm. Really powerful, man. You've, you've shared a lot of gold here with us today. And and as yeah. we're, I guess, wrapping up now today, what one key piece of advice would you like to give to all the entrepreneurs watching and listening today? Um, I guess one piece of advice is have no fear and just be innovative and always think of new ideas and just go for it. If you've got a gut feeling that it works, 
just go for it. I've created a system that works for me and I'm still reinventing the wheels as I'm going along as well. There's no right or wrong. Just keep on going at it and pushing along. And if you know that it's all in your head, right? Everything's in your head. Be positive. Keep on pushing along and you'll get there. Remove all the negative thoughts out of it. And that's how you're going to succeed. Yeah. Awesome, man. Love that. Completely agree. And yeah, we connected through our network. So I learned about your awesome journey for having mm. 10 years of sales experience across lending, as well as your big construction experience and getting into property and now being the founder and director at Sierra Elite Property Consulting um, as a Sydney's buyer's agent. Uh, awesome yeah. guy. So knowledgeable. Shared so much gold here with us today. I'm sure you will continue to do whatever it takes to help people secure their dream home. And very grateful that we connected. Look forward to working with you. So Richard, how can people find you getting in contact with you? Um, you can you can email me. So it's Richard at Elite Property Consulting, E-L-I-T-E, propertyconsulting.com.au. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Elite Property Consulting, um, or you can go to my website and just book in a time with me. So there are multiple ways you can find it for me, um, through me. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Definitely check out Richard, you know, those areas, especially if you're buying, you know, in Sydney, he's uh, definitely knows his stuff, as you can tell today, and we'll get you um, a deal very, you know, as quickly as possible uh, with what you're wanting. Um, and thank you to everyone for watching and listening to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. And please like, subscribe and leave us a five star review. You can find me on LinkedIn. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube is Ethan Cassiotis. Visit my website, ethancassiotis.com. If you want to grow and scale your business, you reach out to me on any platform to see if we're a good fit. And I completely agree with you, or do I? The only way you know is if you tune in next time. So until next time, remember that our business grows when we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. So remember to design your growth and results. Mm -hmm.